0: You're listening to Midori House, first broadcast on the 6th of July, 2018, on Monocle 24. Hello and welcome to Midori House, coming to you live from Studio One here in London. I'm Andrew Muller on today's show.
1: Don't talk about migrants. We are talking about a political crisis on the back of migrants.
0: Europe's continuing immigration angst, but is it merely a practical question or a spiritual one? My guests Carlotta Rabello, Marco Sippi, and Fernando Augusto Pacheco will be discussing this and the day's other top stories including the latest from the World Cup as seven countries remain in contention, Helsinki's preparations for the Putin Trump summit, and the Finnish Rock Festival, which has had the most completely terrible idea in all of recorded history. That's all coming up on Midori House on Monocle, 24 right now. So, welcome to Midori House. My guests today are Monocle's Marco Sippi, Carlotta Ribello, and Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Welcome all. And we will start, as has been our custom in recent weeks, with a kind of rigorous analysis of the World Cup which can only be informed by the kind of people who've been keeping half an eye on the match while writing the script for a topical discussion programme. Within the last hour or so, Uruguay have been eliminated from consideration after losing their quarterfinal with France. 2-0, one of the goals being a goalkeeper clangor of the sort which makes one want to flee for a taxi if one commits it in the park and i would know brazil will kick off against belgium roughly half an hour from now is it now no it is an hour not half an hour i have no idea what i'm talking about it is a little less than an hour um fernando uh, this sounds like one of the things i occasionally say uh, to um wind up the guests really but you are in fact wearing
1: full brazil kit yes the official kit with the correct shorts. The only reason why I avoid socks is because it's too hot in London and I'm protecting my well-being. This is a Brazilian complaining about the heat in London. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, Serious question, though. This
0: is is becoming an increasingly big deal for Brazil, this World Cup, because every World Cup is a big deal for Brazil, obviously because Brazil goes into every World Cup thinking it deserves it. Um, But also your country is, of course, getting towards the semi-final and therefore a reckoning with
1: the memories of 2014. What will it be like being in one of Brazil's big cities right now. It is a very stressful moment, because especially now the France won. Let's not forget that in recent World Cups, France beat Brazil 98 in the final, the class, that classic final. And they beat us again, I believe, in 2006 in the quarterfinals. So uh, it is very stressful that it will be against France. And I remember I was in, I was in Brazil in 2014 when we lost uh, to Germany in a terrible way. And I remember was, there was 10 people in the living room. At the end of the match, there was only like three left. Well, you're talking about a semi-final with France
0: already, of course.
1: Belgium are no pushovers. Well, I think there's a big hype about Belgium, and I have a <laughs> feeling they will lose, you know? I think it's, it's the young generation. They like to say, oh, the Belgians, you know... The classics will always win. Carlota, um, Portugal, your country
0: are uh, no longer with us. Do do Portuguese people? Uh, I mean, I, I mean, obviously the country is doing. Yeah, with I was going to say the country is very much still I, alive, <laughs> unless <laughs> I've <laughs> missed something in the last four <laughs> minutes. Um, but in terms of the World Cup, uh, you are out, uh, along with such. Footballing titans as as Australia. When, when Portugal get eliminated from a, a competition such as this, do you, do you revert to Brazil as your your fellow Lusophone nation? Oh
2: yeah, of course, without a doubt. So <laughs> like, no question. And I I honestly am not. Um, a World Cup history expert to say if Brazil has ever been knocked out before Portugal. But I would assume if the, if the roles were reversed, uh, it would be the same feeling. Uh, you just have a simple example. Um, when uh, it's the Olympics and the, the national teams are walking into the stadium, when it was in Brazil, Portugal got the biggest cheer in that stadium. And that just shows the love these nations have for each other.
0: That's very true.
2: Uh, and, and Marcus for... um,
0: <laughs> fi- Finland not in this Are Finland ever qualified for the World Cup finals?
3: No, Finland's never been in the so, World Cup. So
0: do, do, you, do you cheer for one of your Scandinavian rivals or just pretend none of it's actually happening or? I
3: think we're supporting most of the two countries at the moment. I think we're supporting Sweden and England at the moment but I'd like to draw your attention to something else sports related that's happening in Finland this coming week I believe. So in Finland we have the Swamp Soccer World Championships <laughs> and I think some people may find that more exciting. Swamp soccer. Exactly, swamp it sounds soccer. sounds amazing. So you find a swamp and then you play football over there. And wow. this is legit, I have is, to is, say. Is
0: this while carrying your wife? Or no,
3: that's without wives. The wife-carrying competition is elsewhere, but this is in huru kind of in the middle of Finland, and it's it's drawing 4,000 participants competing over there. It's, it's a big event, so I think some Finnish people may find that more exciting at the moment than the World Cup because we don't really feel like we have much to do with that.
0: Has event. nobody thought of combining swamp soccer with wife-carrying?
3: Um, I don't know. I think our Finnish listeners should consider this idea. It wouldn't be bad at all, would no, it? No, what no. What about
2: combining a swap soccer with a World Cup if Finland gets to host?
0: Is there an international aspect to Swamp Soccer, or is it is it purely a domestic competition?
3: Interestingly enough, there is a very strong international connection to the Swamp
0: Fantastic.
3: Swamp um, Soccer competition because we get we get a lot of Finnish uh, international journalists coming there, which is actually another massive media event taking place within the next two weeks in Finland. We we'll were talking about the other one later, but uh, this one is not quite as big as the event when Trump and Putin meet in Helsinki.
0: This this conversation has taken a turn, which I confess I had not anticipated. <laughs> uh, to try and get things a little bit back on track we should talk about the fact that england uh, are still in the world cup they play a quarter final tomorrow against sweden uh, there is nobody english at this table this is this sounds like one of those jokes about people who walk into a pub this is a, a portuguese a finn a brazilian and an australian i'm a british though Oh, you are, of course, officially. Oh, yeah, of course. I think it's my job.
3: I think it's my job now to, in, in, to support England. I just thought about that for the first
0: time now. Yeah. But but what have we all made of England adjusting to the fact that they've got a chance? Because England usually do go into major tournaments with this kind of weary fatalism about them. They you know they just think how long is it going to take before we lose in heartbreaking circumstances,
1: probably beaten on penalties by Germany. But the Brits, they also have the characteristic of false modesty hmm. as well. So I think that's actually a, a Machiavellic plan. So, so yeah, as, as an Australian, I'm duty-bound to observe that the English have plenty to be modest yeah, about. But, <laughs> but, but, but do you know what I mean? They, they, they love to say oh, we're bad at this, but deep inside they know they actually have a chance. So I don't buy actually this this kind of self-depreciating uh, Brits thing. That's just my analysis from, from, from my 10 years Carlotta, here. Carlotta,
0: what have you made of the, the burgeoning cult around the the manager, Gareth Southgate, in particular. I mean, he does seem to be a basically decent bloke, but it's it's amazing to me how big a deal it seems to have become in English public life at the moment that just by sh- turning up in the public sphere and appearing to be decent, nice, humble, self-deprecating and vaguely competent, you can turn yourself into a superstar.
2: Well, and of course the fact, you know, that uh, with a penalty shootout, uh, kind of like the, since the Euros, was it 96? 96. 96. Uh, that he missed a penalty, and a lot of People saw this as finally his redemption for what happened. And uh, when the media started covering that and this image of how uh, Gareth Southgate uh, is becoming this figure, uh, it was interesting to see a lot of the reaction, not only online, but uh, also of some of the people interviewed. Um, and a lot of people saying that game on uh, England-Germany on the Euro 96 was the first memory they had as kids growing up of England in an international tournament and it lost and it has never been good at penalties ever since and that image of Garrett Southgate missing it they were pretty ropey
0: at penalties beforehand and then then
2: finally uh, when when it happened like the last match it was kind of you know what Uh, my whole life watching this man or having the memory of that man and finally he's had his moment I love it
0: Uh, Just finally, before we move off our rigorous analysis of the World Cup, I want a one-word answer from each of you. Where we are right now, seven teams left, who's going to win Fernando first? Brazil. Marcus? England. France. Hmm. France. I'm going to say Belgium, and that's not just (laughs) because I put money on them and on Romelu Lukaku to win the Golden Boot.
3: I found myself cancelling my sauna reservation in
0: Finland because I happened to be there when England's playing well, no, no greater That's gesture serious. of patriotism <laughs> exactly. has anybody ever made, in the, made in, a, in the long history of this Septidile Marcus. They Congratulations. made a
2: good decision with a passport, Marcus. The,
0: the, the knighthood <laughs> will doubtless be in the post in due course. But let's look now at Germany, which has come up with another plan for dealing with irregular migrants, which must surely be getting as close to the point at which there has been a discarded policy for every single person who has tried to reach Europe in the last few years. Last week's idea of creating new holding centres in non-EU jurisdictions has been binned. The latest idea is a faster screening process at existing transit facilities which will process arrivals within 48 hours it says here. Uh, the compromise has been struck in order to hold together the governing coalition of Chancellor Angela Merkel who has in a joint news conference with Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban continued to insist uh, that the humane way is the correct one. Uh, I mean this news conference, uh, I'll put this to you first Fernando, it, it's kind of a, um, it, it, it's a, an illustration of the two poles, I guess, of the, the European approach to this. Uh, Angela Merkel says that, you know, well, her quote was, Europe's soul is humanity. We must keep that and its values. If Europe wants to succeed, must not close, close itself off. Whereas Orban says, if we want to act humanely, uh, we must close the borders and bring support over there and not let in those who bring problems. Um, are either of them entirely wrong?
1: Victor Orban completely wrong. First of all, he would not supports the countries and that's a reality, I mean, no, knowing Victor Orban. And, you know, I do understand Angela Merkel because, you know, Europe, let's be honest, is a very wealthy continent, generally progressive. They, they're trying, I, I know that sometimes they try to do the good in the world, but it is a bit embarrassing for the continent how many countries are becoming so anti-migrant. Oh, I'm not saying that we should have a completely open migration policy, but it is embarrassing because even, you know, the numbers actually of migration, I believe in 2018, are much lower already than 2015. And it's just embarrassing that people are are using this kind of fear tactics that we've seen in Europe in the past. And for me, this is repeating itself. And I I just don't think it's nice, you know. Uh, Marcus, one of two Europeans at this table, why has, or what
0: would happen, do we think, if a European leader tried approaching the immigration issue by just saying, actually, it's not that big a deal? If we go back as far as 2015, if I've done the maths right, it's about 2 million people uh, who have tried to get into Europe through what we'll call irregular Mm -hmm. means that's two cities about the size of Turin or Cologne. Europe could stand that, couldn't it?
3: Absolutely, absolutely. But this is so much about impressions and people's ideas of what actually has been happening. I think there's been some opinion polls where people have been asked what well, they reckon how many people have arrived in Europe and they vastly exaggerate the numbers. They don't. I, I think people are losing the idea of the scale of of this issue of what is happening. I'm just thinking like, for example, in my home country, Finland, I think that country is missing a great opportunity. Finland is getting very old and they need young people over there, someone to work, someone to raise taxes so that we can take care of the elderly at the same time finland is very much trying to close the borders just because there is such a public pressure so if there was a politician saying that okay let's solve this issue let's open the borders let's invite all these young people over there would still be a massive opposition because people think that now these migrants come and take over and they bring so many problems with them and that that problem aspect is also something that is always being heard from the right wing politicians that migrants come here and bring problems i I don't buy that at all. That's just one of these stereotypes and false claims when it comes to this migration issue.
2: I will never understand... I can't simply understand in any country when dealing with the issues of migration and the argument of oh they uh, they come here and they take over and uh, that's why we have no jobs but I'm sorry if a person that wasn't brought up in your culture doesn't speak your language as a native can come here and get a job then you're not looking that hard I'm sorry it's as easy as that of course we're not talking here about skilled migration that's different but to claim that the reason why you're unemployed is because someone that's seeking asylum has a job and you don't after all the hurdles have been through, then I just can't understand that argument because you simply haven't been looking.
3: In Finland, in the Finnish discussion, there's always three arguments. The two main arguments are that they come here and take our jobs or they come here and then they live on our money, on our benefits. And then there's a third argument that they come and take our women.
1: But that's a different thing, I guess. (laughs) And can I just say, like, from someone that is actually suffering from anti-immigration policies, I think I need to make the case. Immigration, migration, whatever... Is wonderful, you know, and I think we're missing people that say this directly, you know. There, there's this too much of a language of fear that I feel as an as an immigrant in 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 the UK, for example, and and I find it very sad, you know. Like for example, I came from a country that where basically everyone is a migrant, you know, the US, your country, Australia. Australia, Australia. Australia. So you know, it, it's actually nice that people wants to come to your country, and it's been proven if a country receives a lot of immigrants, it would do amazingly economically as well. I think that's an interesting aspect from Germany about this whole
3: discussion now. Um, maybe the opinion is slightly shifting in Germany. I was just reading a moment ago that there's been a new public opinion, poll in Germany that says that Horst Seehofer's popularity has fallen quite drastically ever since he started agitating for tougher border controls. His popularity has fallen by 16 points, which basically means that Angela Merkel's position may be a bit stronger as a result.
0: Well, well yes, I think uh, Horst Seehofer has been learning the hard way that there is a reason that Merkel has been in power this long turns out she's quite good at politics i think she has called his bluff and and he has been found wanting but um carlotta just to look before we move on at the way that angela merkel has framed this talking about europe's soul is she is that actually helpful to address this as a spiritual question rather than as a practical
2: one? 100%, because the European Union was founded on those values. We're not talking about, oh, she's being emotional and that's it. What unites the European Union, and the reason why it was created with the Schengen Treaty and all of that, was the basic fundamental value of respect for human lives, for human rights, equality, democracy, um, uh, uh, the implementation of rule of law, all of that, and in 2009, when the Lisbon Treaty was signed by all the nations, including Hungary, because it was part of the European Union by then for four years already for five years already, it joined in two thousand and four. The Lisbon Treaty basically added this humane side into the law of the European Union, uh, along with the social and economic, uh, economical rights. So I think it's completely called for for this issue to be addressed as calling for this emotional and humane side, because that's the core value of the European Union. And if you don't agree with that, then maybe you don't belong in that institution period.
0: Okay, we're going to take a short break now. You're listening to Midori House with me, Andrew Muller, along with Carlotta Ribello, Fernando Augusto Pacheco, and Marcos Hippi, coming up next to Finland for a look ahead to the Trump-Putin summit, and also a contemplation of what may be the single worst idea of all time. <laughs>
2: Monocle has bureau around the world, in Tokyo, Hong Kong, Singapore, London, Toronto and New York City. In Toronto, our bureau chief is Thomas Lewis.
1: Torontonians like to think of this place as one of the most diverse and one of the most tolerant anywhere in Canada, if not anywhere in the world. And the energy that brings off, I think, is really fertile ground for a journalist, a bureau chief, for Monocle as a whole to tap into and to play a a key part in.
2: Hear from Monocle's editors and correspondents on the stories that matter and the places that matter every day on Monocle 24.
0: You are back with Midori House with me, Andrew Muller. Still with me are Fernando Augusto Pacheco, Carlotta Ribello and Marcus Hippy. Yesterday in Great Falls, Montana, US President Donald Trump performed one of his regular rousings of his rabble, unburdening himself of a rambling oration deranged even by his formidable standards. While the most ear-catching excerpt was an incomprehensible digression about Elton John, possibly the most significant was a reference to Russian President Vladimir Putin, with whom Trump is due to meet in Helsinki 10 days from now. Putin's fine, Trump assured his audience of hooting yokels. He's fine, we're all fine, we're people. Will I be prepared? Totally prepared, and so on. For nearly an hour, he's he's beginning to rival Fidel Castro. Um, Marcus a native of Helsinki. uh, How excited is your hometown? Incredibly excited. Um, I (laughs) think that, for our listeners, is what a Finn sounds like when he's incredibly excited. (laughs) No,
3: it's it's, it's actually a massive undertaking for the city of Helsinki. Um, Police officers' summer holidays have not been cancelled. This would be like the the most important holiday season in the country, but people are willing to work for this and they want to make it a success, not only when it comes to what happens between Putin and Trump, but also obviously Helsinki wants to get a lot of attention. It's very interesting, all this preparation work. I've been following reporting from Finland and there's been quite a lot of talk about all these international media organisations coming to Helsinki. And at the moment, the situation is that they are running out of great places for television, like places with beautiful scenery. All of them have been taken and it seems that international (laughs) media companies are now competing over where they get to broadcast and it seems quite promising all the major american television networks are obviously coming there and nbc and abc are both broadcasting their breakfast shows from helsinki for example from the seafront so it's very very exciting there's a lot of speculation also over where our politicians and where delegations are going to be staying what i'm finding slightly interesting slash awkward slash um scary is that there's a chance that I may be staying in the same hotel with President Donald Trump, it's turned out. So, according to the Finnish media, he's going to be staying in this new luxury hotel that opened a few months ago in Finland and I happen to be staying in the same hotel and so far I haven't heard any confirmations on why I would not be there, so it seems that I am staying in that hotel.
0: I keep checking that reservation because they do tend to empty the building uh, when the President is staying.
3: Exactly, I know. My hotel reservation was confirmed yesterday. We'd called the hotel to check out the Things going I'd, to be all right. It's going I'd to be me and calling. a couple of colleagues over there working on the Helsinki travel guide. Nevertheless, it's going to be a massive event for Helsinki. Helsinki's got an interesting history. They've been hosting this kind of summits before as well a few times, during the Cold War era for example, and back in the day with good results, but obviously we don't know what's going to be happening this time, but it's going to be, it's going to be an event to remember for Finnish people, absolutely.
0: I mean, Marcus, since you've done there the seamless plug for Monocle's upcoming Helsinki travel guide, uh, just briefly, as you mentioned, there will be hundreds, if not thousands, of people descending on Helsinki for the first time, what should they see? 2,000 journalists coming to the city alone. What they should see? That's a good question. There is so
3: much. Um, Helsinki is quite an easy one. It's very easy to walk around over there and just check out some beautiful spots, beautiful parks, see the seafront, go to some islands, check out lovely museums. Finland has got an interesting history of, so- I think we call it sauna politics. Finnish politicians <laughs> and presidents <laughs> used to host Russian politicians uh, and Soviet politicians ideas, in saunas. So these these normally men would get naked in this hot room and talk about serious issues. And I said, no, maybe so that is it, something that Finland could offer to Donald Trump it's, it's, and it's, it's Putin a, it's, as it's, well. It's a bit
0: like
1: Midori House then. I would love to see Trump and Putin shirtless in a sauna. <laughs> Why?
0: Why? It wouldn't be just Why? shirtless, Fernando, be that's interesting. the problem. Be interesting. Um, again, uh, I believe we are deviating from the point. <laughs> <Sorry>. uh, <laughs> uh, um, but thank you for planting that image in the minds of us and our listeners, Fernando. I'm sure they appreciate it. Um, Carlotta, en route to Helsinki. Donald Trump is, of course, coming here, except it turns out that he's not. Uh, They they have released plans for his UK visit, and it turns out that, funnily enough, uh, though he will be staying at the Ambassador's House in Regent's Park overnight here in London, uh, none of his public events uh, are going to be here in this city for some unimaginable reason. Yeah,
2: I wonder if it has anything to do with all the massive protests that are planned around Westminster and uh, Number 10. I just uh, wonder. Uh, Donald Trump of course going uh on these trips it just makes me and like why why he's meeting putin right now of all times he just seems like the worst sleeper agent ever alive <laughs> and that somehow putin activated the code and he's like we must meet one on one i was baffled and i was reading that he actually wants to meet for 2 hours alone with putin with no aides in presence so no official record will be there it will be one word against the other and we saw how that turned out um, in uh, in with the, ahead of the north korea summit with all the concessions that were made uh, when Uh, about stopping the military drills with South Korea and all the aides advising the the other way around. So I'm really... Looking forward is not the best words, but professionally, as a journalist that's going to be covering that story from here, um, I'm looking forward to see what stupid demand he gives in uh, once he meets Putin alone.
0: Okay, well, finally tonight, uh, and staying in Finland, where someone has come up with an idea for making rock festivals even worse. Those misguided souls attending the Rock Festival in Turku this weekend will be able to avail themselves of a service called the Sing Along Shuffle. This this is an electric bmw i3 taxi which will transport passengers free of charge so long as they keep singing for the driver and presumably so long as the driver isn't inspired to recreate the closing scene of thelma and louise soundtracks and lyrics will apparently be f- i i don't even know where to start with this this is terrible this is this is this is an absolute nadir of the entire human experiment fernando
1: <laughs> well, it is, especially when imagine the cab driver having to hear I, people's no, horrible voices.
0: It's, 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 I, I know I, they're not paying the cab driver enough. Uh, whatever they're paying, the you
3: cab don't know driver. how much they actually charge in Finland. I'd like to point out taxi drivers; it's so expensive.
2: But I would love that, like, if you just keep singing, it's like, drive me all the way to Portugal. I'm not going to stop singing for four and a half days. (laughs) Because if you're alone, that's impossible. But if you're in a group, would it work? Like, just take turns sleeping and singing, I guess. Can
1: you sing the same song on repeat? You
2: can sing anything you
1: like. Because that's what I do anyway. I, there's some certain songs you, that stuck you, you, you in you your sing, mind.
0: You sing to taxi drivers anyway. <laughs> well, no, no,
1: not <laughs> to taxi drivers. I, 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 and yet you've lived this long. Well, exactly. <laughs> I need my Uber rating to go up, so maybe uh, uh, I hope <laughs> they enjoy my singing.
3: I think I know this festival quite well. I've been there a couple of times. It's Ruiz Rock in Turco to fix your earlier pronunciation. Yeah, tomato, um, you tomato. Didn't, <laughs> you didn't check that with me earlier. Um, it's been going on for decades. I think one of the reasons for this is that they just want a bit more publicity. It's, it's a great way of, you know, kind well, of like when making you say the festival's been
0: going on for decades, do you mean like continuously?
2: <laughs> <laughs> They've not stopped if singing.
3: Only. <laughs> um, <laughs> only, but it's something. It's, it's a nice new thing. A nice new aspect of the event.
0: Uh, it's, it's not. It's awful. But uh, in, a, in a piece of the, or in an example of the. the liquid producing for which this program is famous uh fernando has organized for our three panelists he didn't ask me i suspect realizing that i would likely just hurl something at him um, has asked you all to come up with the song that you would sing
1: in a taxi and we actually have clips from all of them uh fernando this is your idea you start i will start you know you know everybody knows that i like madonna but i'm not a good singer so Neither what? She. Yeah, she. <laughs> no, come on. This is controversial. This oh is my controversial. God. We need to do yes. some sauna
2: politics right now to mediate this conflict. But then I
1: said, Madonna can also rap, and I can rap, so I <laughs> think we should hear a clip of a it. There's a couple of debatable assertions right there, <laughs> yeah. but okay, let, 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 let's have it.
2: I'm drinking a salate I get a double shot it, goes through my butter and you know I'm satisfied. I drive my many cooper and I'm feeling super duper. You they tell me I'm a trooper and you know I'm satisfied. I do yoga and Pilates and the room is full of parties so I'm checking out the bodies and you know I'm satisfied. I'm digging on the acid to this metaphysics shit is dope, and if all this can give me hope, you know I'm satisfied. I got a lawyer and a manager, an agent and a chef, three nannies and assistant
1: and If I may continue and oh a yes. driver and a jet, a trainer and a butler, and a bodyguard five, a gardener and a stylist. Do you think I'm satisfied? I hope you liked my (laughs) rap. We did. We did. We did very much.
0: Uh, I mean, this is going to, I'm just trying to think, I'm just, again, playing out in my head how this service is actually going to work. I think you would end up doing better than a free ride. I think it's going to get to the point where the driver starts giving the passengers money if they'll just keep quiet. (laughs) This is a a protection racket. Marcus, what, what have you chosen?
3: There's only one song. But I always choose it's, <laughs> I think both Carlotta and Fernando have seen me yep. perform this at yep. karaoke And I have to say that I blew up this small karaoke room with my energy My song is Calvin Harris featuring John Newman Blame
1: Blame out on the night.
3: This is the part where everyone was chomping.
2: And Marcus is singing Come On London. We must must add that. I thing.
3: think I was wearing, I was trying to energise the space yes. as well and everyone was jumping on their seats.
2: It worked, I can testify I to mean, that. I mean,
0: there is a question, if we return to the original scheme of endurance here, I mean, <laughs> h- how long do any of you think you could keep this up for? I mean, if, if, if you're talking about a, a cab journey of a reasonable length, say 20 or 30 minutes.
2: So it, it, it really depends. If you have to sing an actual song with all the lyrics, I'm not sure. But if you just have to sing randomly, I, I think I can de- easily know, do one half. There,
3: there is a monocle secret. I think it's more of a monocle 24 secret even, but every now and then we've been inviting karaoke parties, organizing karaoke parties at a Japanese karaoke room in London I've and never been invited evenings, to do not those, disclose the location. Those evenings have been going on for
0: hours. Okay, I'm, I've never been invited to one of these, Marcus, and I, I would take it personally if it was the kind of thing I actually wanted to go to. <laughs> um, uh, Carlotta, your choice.
2: Well, I, so for me to sing in public, it has to involve some sort of uh, alcohol, and I think this is the greatest song to sing drunk. <laughs> uh, this is Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> oh, God.
3: I see a little silhouette of a man Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the bandango? Thunderbolts and lightning, very, very frightening me.
2: I'm just a poor
3: boy Nobody loves me I think these guy's sound drunk already On this record
0: yeah. Carl Loppy You have there chosen The worst track Made by the third worst Band of all time
2: Oh, Andrew, come on! It's the best track, and I can imagine already like the cab driver getting into those Galileos as well. Like we could, we should all do a medley back and forth. I think it would be great.
1: We should all do a medley of Bohemian episode with my my rap, and then Markus' uh, tropical house beat. And also,
2: voice. it's I think the longest song of uh, of the three of us, so I would get the longest, uh, the fu- furthest you, you, away you, you from you the make, festival. You make
0: a, a fair point there, but I'm just right now there is literally nobody on this this piteous misery plagued earth that I feel sorrier for than the driver of this taxi. Who
2: would you pick?
0: Uh, it, just some interminable country ballad in which lots of people get murdered. Psycho by Leon Payne or something like that. There we go.
3: Poor cab
2: driver. <laughs>
0: <laughs> On that... Are we going to Thoraco? Uh,
3: <laughs> I think we
2: should. I mean, should we start singing to a London cabbie all the way to Turco and see if we can get it? I don't get think, there?
0: I really don't think the journey would last that long. That does bring us to the end of today's show. Carlotta Rabello, Marcos Hippie and Fernando Augusto Pacheco, thanks for joining us at Midori House. The show was produced by Fernando Augusto Pacheco, researched by Lamichi Okamoto and Paula Schulze. Our studio manager was David Stevens. Music next at 1900. Marcos is back with the menu. I'm back with more on the day's main stories on The Daily at 2200. Midori House returns at the same time on Monday... 1800 London. Have a great weekend. I'm Andrew Muller. Go Belgium.